click drive time keeping you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about him getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time now here's your host joe mcclain praise be to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired i'm your host joe mcclain good morning to you praise be to god Here's the question, why are Catholics not allowed to be members of secret societies? Freemasons. Why can't Catholics be Freemasons? Well, canon law is the short answer. Forbids it. Well, then if that's the case, why are Catholics members of Masonic lodges in America, Europe, and beyond? And what are the implications of that relationship, this breaking of canon law? openly and outwardly on the show today we're going to be having that conversation in fact in our what's concerning us segment dr jules gomez who was on i think last week to talk about the hindu rite of the Novus Ordo, uh something i did not know existed kind of scandalous he is back to share with us some stories that he wrote last year in regards to openly uh, a priest in the curia in rome who is an open member of uh, the freemasons And so he's going to be on in the What's Concerning Us section. And then, of course, um, we're going to talk to David L. Gray in the guest segment to uh, talk about what it, why he was a Freemason and why he is now not. I myself belong to the Blue Lodge, the Freemasons, and am now not. And we're going to have a conversation around that in the guest segment. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Mr. Joe. Praise be to God. How was everything? It was very well. I went to a Theology of the Body um, session at my parish last night, so that was super fun. Oh, really? Yes. It was well attended? It was, um, well, it was the people that wanted to be there, and that's what counted. The people? Yeah. Is that code for not as many people as you thought? No, no. It was about like 10 people. Um, it was a small class, but um, it was great because we were able to talk to each other on a very um, more um, intimate scale. Well, good. So Praise it was be great. to God. But yeah, as a public speaker, whenever I show up to events and there's less people than they hoped they would be there, that's what they always say. So, these are the people God wanted to be here. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. It's good to be here. And, uh, you know, God wanted me to be here. And that's why you're here. Mm-hmm. And that's, and why, that's I'm here. why you're here. If Praise he didn't, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. Yes. Are mm-hmm. you finally detoxing from all the all of the meat product over the weekend? No, I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, maybe I should do a carnivore diet. <laughs> this, it sounds kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. Like, it sounds is that the kind keto of diet? You're not going to get me it's to argue not with necessar- this. <laughs> not necessarily keto, but it's it's just meat. The it's only problem meat. is I really, really like tortillas. Don't they call that the caveman diet or something like that? <laughs> Whatever you call it, what you will. If if, <laughs> if I can just uh, eat only meat for a week, that'd be that'd be kind of fun. Meat. I might try that. See, meat. see how far I can go. It's what's for dinner. Praise mm. be to God. <laughs> I'm already hungry now. All right, let's uh, let's jump into it. So what we're going to be doing this hour is we're going to have the breaking news and stories. Of course, we're going to have a uh, uh, saint of the day, a gospel of the day. We're going to do Dr. Jules Gomez in the What's Concerning Us section at 15 past the hour uh, to share his stories from last year on the Freemasons' involvement. It would be fascinating. I don't know if there'll be enough time to talk about uh, Freemason involvement in the persecution of the church in England as well. And then, of course, as I mentioned, David L. Gray uh, from uh, 
Talking Catholic and on YouTube, his own radio program across the Guadalupe Radio Network, Wednesdays at 4. Uh, David O'Gray is going to be on. He was a former Freemason, kind of a very active, not a kind of, a, but a very active Freemason. Um, and we're going to have a conversation about why the church teaches what it teaches in regards to secret societies, specifically the Freemasons, since he and I both are former Freemasons. So that's going to be in this hour. If you can join us, wonderful praise be to God. We'd love to have you. If you can hang out with us in the second hour, we have a little bit more fun in the second hour. We play a trivia game, and prizes are at stake. And who's the uh, sponsor this week? Oh, sorry, our sponsor is Aramus Catholic Leatherwork. There'll be um, they actually donated a huge prize box. Um, thanks be to God for this week's winner. Um, Aramus Catholic Leatherwork is a um, it's based in Mankato, Minnesota, and they are known for making handmade leather goods that are super high quality, will last a lifetime. You can have customization available, and they're made with prayer and contemplation, and they include Bible covers, brewery covers, Magnificat covers, missile covers, wow. and so on and wow. so forth. It's really crazy. All leather. All leather. Can you smell that? <laughs> Genuinely. Ah, I bet it smells good. Thank you, Aramus. All right, let's pray and dive in for your, we're going to pray for your intentions, dear listener, as well as for the conversion of sinners all around the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Janelle. Today is Tuesday, July 27th. Here are some headlines from Church Militant. Germany punishes faithful priest. Court punishes Polish cleric for exposing the church's homo lobby. Father Altman donates big, gives 100k to Coalition for Cancelled Priests. Facebook targets extremism, joins up with Microsoft to exclusively target quote-unquote right-wing terror. Trump on Communist America, the 45th president slams media silence on election audit. A car has crashed at a Detroit church. Pastor Monsignor Michael Bergarin is known for persecuting good priests. And American optimism craters. A recent poll shows the outlook on the country's future has dropped 20 points since May. In other news, Aussie Catholic Health Group seeks mandatory vaccines for hospital staff. The first person charged under Hong Kong security law found guilty of terrorism and inciting succession. From Reuters, South and North Korea open hot, reopen hotlines as leaders seek to rebuild ties. South and North Korea have restored hotlines that Pyongyang severed a year ago when ties deteriorated sharply, and the two countries' leaders are renewing efforts to rebuild relations, Seoul's presidential office said on Tuesday. The decision on the hotlines was made by South Korean President Moon Jae-un and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, who have exchanged multiple letters since April when they marked the third anniversary of their first summit, said Moon's press secretary Park Soo-hoon. North Korea's state news agency KCNA also said that all inter-Korean communication channels resumed operation at 10 a.m. Tuesday, in line with an agreement between Moon and Kim. The hotlines are a rare tool to bridge the two Koreas, but it was unclear whether their recognition would expedite 
any meaningful restart of negotiations aimed at dismantling Pyongyang's nuclear and missile programs. The two leaders have explored ways to recover relations by exchanging letters on several occasions and agreed to restore severed hotlines as a first step for that process, Park said in a statement. They have also agreed to regain trust as soon as possible and foster progress on relations again. KCNA touted the reopening of the hotlines as a big stride in recovering mutual trust and promoting reconciliation. Here's another article from Reuters. Cuban embassy in Paris says it was attacked with petrol bombs. The Cuban embassy in Paris said on Tuesday that its building had been attacked with petrol bombs, causing serious damage but no injuries to diplomatic staff. The embassy published photos on its official Twitter account of damage of the, to the building and condemned the attack. It did not say who it thought it was responsible. A police source said an investigation was underway, adding that the motives behind the incident were not known. The source also confirmed that no one has been injured. Cuba has been rocked by protests against a deep economic crisis, the government's handling of the coronavirus pandemic, and curbs on civil liberties, prompting the communist-run country to restrict access to social media and messaging platforms. The foreign ministers of the United States and 20 other countries on Monday condemned mass arrests in Cuba and called for full restoration of internet access. And lastly, from Crooks, Notre Dame alum is first American to win individual gold in foil fencing. I'm Janelle Lay, and those are your headline news for Tuesday, July 27th. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Mary Magdalene Martinengo. She was born on the 5th of October, 1687 in Bresca, Italy, and was born to the Italian nobility. Her mother died while Mary was five months old, and the lack of a mother affected the girl deeply. It led her to an intense religious devotion and prayer. At the age of 18, she joined the Capuchin Poor Clares of Santa Maria della Neven in Bresca, Italy. She professed in 1706 and spent the rest of her life in the convent. She recognized in the convent for her holiness and her prayer life. She was prioress twice and served several years as novice mistress. She worked to promote devotion to Christ crucified and use her own example to encourage penance and personal sacrifice for the Lord. She died on the 27th of July, 1737 in Bresca, Italy of natural causes. She was beatified on the 3rd of June, 1900 by Pope Leo XIII. Blessed Mary Magdalene Martinego, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 13, verses 36 through 43. Jesus dismissed the crowds and went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is the son of man the field is the world the good seed the children of the kingdom the weeds are the children of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil the harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels just as weeds are collected and burned with fire so will it be at the end of the age the son of man will send his angels and they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin and all evildoers. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be a wailing and grinding of teeth. 
Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears ought to hear the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, and thank you, verboom.com forward slash GRN. That's V-E-R-B-U-M, verboom.com. Thank you for your generous support of our program today. Uh, The problem of evil is something we are going to have to live with until the judgment. You know, there's no getting out of it. There's no escaping it. There's no isolating ourselves, you know, from uh, from evil that will be in our midst. Of course, living in a state of grace does uh, does uh, is the answer for us all. We must always live in a state of grace. We do so through uh, personal piety and the holy sacraments, reconciliation, the Holy Eucharist, frequent receptions. You know, so but the issue is we can't run. We can't hide. We can't separate ourselves from evil in this world. And I think it's a beautiful thing. But I find fascinating in this passage today uh, where Jesus separates himself from the crowds, goes into a house, and there he speaks one-to-one with his disciples, giving them the clarity uh, to the parables that were taught to the crowds. St. Chrysostom points out that none of the scribes followed him here. Not one tried to enter that house. Not a, Maybe they wouldn't have been allowed. I don't know. But they didn't even try, according to St. Chrysostom in the Gospel, for he says... Uh, none of the scribes followed him here, from which it is clear that they followed him for no other purpose than that they might catch him in his discourse. In, in other words, they had no desire to really learn, to understand, to dialogue with Jesus. There was zero desire for that. They had an agenda, and that was all that mattered to them, and then they wanted to see this man uh, in his demise. St. Jerome would point out that they didn't deserve clarity. St. <laughs> Jerome is such a... He's such a sledgehammer. It's, it's kind of funny. But here's the kicker, though. There's still great opportunity, but you must make a decision. You're either going to be uh, a child of God or you're going to be a disciple of the devil. This passage, the parable itself, makes that super clear. Whose father uh, do you belong to? to? The father in heaven or the father of lies, the father of murder, the devil himself? You must decide, and you must choose. Now, the other piece of good news in this, as Rabanus points out, in the I think as he's writing in the ninth century, he points out that there's still mercy, there's still opportunity. He says, quote, observe, he says, those that do iniquity, not those who have done iniquity, because not they who have turned to penitence, but they only that abide in their sins are to be delivered to the eternal torments, to the fires where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth make a choice that's the the message today make a choice choose to be a son of god a daughter of the most high we'll be right back dr gomez is up next Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. Ever feel like life's just too much? Maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace today, begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. 
I used to wonder if God really cared about me. Then I started praying and going to church. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. 35 past the hour, we're going to be speaking with David L. Gray, a former Freemason. I myself was a, a member of the Blue Lodge, and he and I are going to have a conversation about why the church teaches you cannot be a member of secret societies, uh, in particular the Freemasons, as well as others, and uh, why he left the Lodge, why I left the Lodge. We'll, we'll conversate about that starting at 35 past the hour. Joining us right now, though, uh, rejoining the program is Dr. Jules Gomez. He is uh, a correspondent with Church Militant out of Rome, and we're very grateful for his time again this morning. Good morning to you, Dr. Gomez. Uh, good morning, uh, Joe. It's great to be with you, and uh, I'm already a little bit intimidated because as a former Freemason, you probably know more about it than I do. <laughs> well, the, uh, one of the reasons why we asked you to come back is because you did some reporting on uh, on this last year in particular. Um, but I, I, you know, I wish we had a lot of time because I would be fascinated to have a conversation about uh, the history of Freemasons working against the Church in England. Uh, I think that would be an interesting conversation. But I want to go to some of your articles that you published last year. There was a priest in the Curia, the Roman Curia, who is outwardly a member of the Freemasons. He is now cha- or he was a chaplain of three lodges in Austria, and this is very curious. Canon law specifically states, if I'm not mistaken, you cannot be a member as a Catholic of these secret societies. It used to state very specifically the Freemasons, but they've seemed to expand that in a more general way and just mention secret societies. Now, what can you tell us about this story? Well, uh, Father Michael, uh, Michael Heinrich Wenninger, who's done his PhD on why... There is no uh, contradiction between what canon law teaches and a certain kind of Freemasonry seems to say that it is okay for Catholics to be Freemasons. Now, Wenninger is coming from this pastoral perspective where the church now includes everybody and uh, no longer has anathema sit in its vocabulary. Now, I'm being kind to Father Wenninger because uh, his position is actually, if you look at the teachings of the church, even today, his position is heretical because the Vatican clearly under uh, Ratzinger, when he was the head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, uh, issued a statement. And before that, there was a statement in 1981, very clearly, categorically stating that the 1983 Court of Canon Law does not in any way abrogate the 1917 injunction against Freemasons, where the 1917, of course, very even more clearly states that 
Freemasons are virtually excommunicated, excommunicated, sorry, from the Catholic Church. And, and the 1983, and then the two statements after that state very clearly that uh, Catholics who join lodges are in a state of grave sin and should not, cannot receive Holy Communion. So uh, Veninger seems to fudge all this. Now, Veninger is a member of the Interfaith Commission, and, and that's obviously, given the, 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 the trajectory and the teachings of Freemasonry, seems to suit his own agenda wonderfully well. Uh, but uh, there have also been rumors that he's been recruiting uh, clergy and others into masonry at the Vatican. So this is quite serious. And what is even more serious is that there has been no disciplinary action at all taken against him. That was going to be my follow-up question, is how could you have a member of the Curia, uh, a member of the clergy, in clear violation of canon law, continue without being checked? No one in the, in the Curia has decided to bring him in and have a conversation at the very minimum? Well, this is the brave new world we're living in. Wow. Uh, another big example, of course, is... Uh, when you openly flout church law, you don't get kicked out unless, of course, you're a rigid traditionalist. Uh, <laughs> is the, the the defiance by so many German clergy following the ban on same-sex uh, blessings issued by the Vatican a couple of months ago? And there were virtually hundreds of priests in Germany who defied that ban. And nothing, absolutely nothing happened to them. So discipline is, is a word, again, that does not exist in the Vatican today. Well, someone might ask, you know, what's the big deal, though? So like, they remember the Freemasons, you know, that, I mean, he's not like he's going to be uh, trying to, like, what's the, what's the big deal about him being a Freemason? He's just hearing people's confessions, going to say Mass for Freemasons. He's a chaplain. Uh, so how do you respond to that? Well, it's not just a priest being a Freemason, it's any Catholic, because Freemasonry is an alternative religion. Uh, as an Anglican priest, I did a detailed exposition of the, the epistles of St. John, and one of the major challenges that the early church faced, and the church faced it for about 250 years, it was Gnosticism, and Freemasonry is Gnosticism reborn. In, in the modern world. It, it is an alternative religion. If you look at its uh, rituals of initiation, if you look at the temples, if you look at its ontology, its eschatology, its soteriology, uh, Freemasonry has all this. Uh, it even has an alternative deity. I, I was very intrigued by a, a chef in my congregation, an Irishman, who one day came to me and he said, could you please pray for me because my father was a Freemason and I want to break those curses that may have come on me and my family as a result of that. And he brought his father's Lord certificate and I looked at it. I said, I don't want to bring it into my house. Let's go out uh, uh, in the car park and look at it. And guess what? Right at the top, was the Tetragrammaton, the holiest name of our Lord in Hebrew, Yahweh, written in Hebrew there. Now, now that shocked me. We burned his certificate and we prayed, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a prayer after that. But 
this is this is extremely dubious and in every possible way and numerous documents by the way not just uh, catholic documents uh, leo the 13 in humanum genus very clearly states that this is an alternative religion which is in which intends to destroy the foundations of western civilization and create an alternative religion of brotherhood that does not that that does not recognize the, the, the role of Jesus as Savior. We're talking with Dr. Jules Gomez. He is a correspondent out of Rome for the Church Militant, and he's posted a series of articles in regards to Freemasons in the Catholic Church over the past uh, year or so, and we're having a conversation around that. You know, one of the aspects of this conversation, talking about Freemasons, is so, a big portion of it gets relegated to conspiracy theory. Um, you know, especially when you get into the weeds of certain high, uh, high ranking, uh, clergymen in the Roman Curia that have had influence on either liturgy or church teaching or church relations, uh, because it becomes difficult to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that they have a relation with the lodge. And, uh, but at the same time, you posted a series of articles where the Freemasons have praised certain things recently, uh, in regards to interfaith, uh, with Muslims and others, and, uh, praised our efforts in, in, in other aspects, especially out of, uh, you know, comments coming from Pope Francis and, and actions and such. I find that very curious that the, our biggest fans tend to be Freemasons. That's kind of scary. Well, uh, you're absolutely right about the conspiracy theory, and I have told Freemasons who are my friends, uh, warning them about their, in love, warning them about, you know, hellfire that awaits if they don't repent and turn away, uh, leave the Lord. Uh, and I've said, D don't listen to what I'm saying, don't listen to so-called conspiracy theories. Look at Holy Scripture, look at the teaching of the church, and look at your own Freemasonic documents. Compare the two. Look at primary sources and make up your own mind. Now, what is, uh, you know, when our enemies, when, our, when people who have been our enemies for centuries suddenly start praising us, yeah. over the last 200 years, eight popes in 20 uh, legal documents have condemned Freemasonry. And now all of a sudden, under the Francis pontificate, they are praising particularly two documents. They are praising Fratelli Tutti, mm. Brothers All, and they are praising his uh, human fraternity document, uh, the document signed in Abu Dhabi in February 2019 with Grand Imam Al-Tayeb, uh, Grand Imam of Al-Azhar, the premier Sunni Muslim university. Now, what's the problem here? Uh, the problem is very clear. It's and it's a definition of fraternity that is not Christian. And if you read Pope Benedict's uh, book on fraternity, uh, it's in German. I, I'm not sure if there's an English translation. Pope, Fra uh, Pope Benedict very clearly spoke about the fraternity, the true brotherhood that Jesus creates, which is the church. Amen. The greater fraternity, so-called, is at uh, the humanity, fraternity of humanity is at a secondary level. But this greater fraternity cannot have salvation unless it belongs to the primary fraternity of the church and acknowledges the saving role of Jesus. Now, this is what Francis does not do in the Abu Dhabi document. Of course, he wouldn't do it if it was blasphemy to his Muslim interlocutors. 
And he doesn't do it in Fratelli Tutti. It has 45,000 words. But when it comes to talking about Jesus as the only Lord and Savior, mm. the document of Fratelli Tutti is remarkably reticent, and this fits in perfectly with the Masonic agenda of having a one-world brotherhood, a one-world fraternity, a one-world religion that totally pushes Jesus out of the picture. Wow. Uh, Dr. Jules Gomez is our guest. We, are, we only have about another minute and a half with him. Uh, so... Where do we go from here? I mean, we have an out-and-out out, uh, Freemason in the in the very pontifical council for interreligious dialogue to help to bring about some of this. Uh, is there anything we can do? Well, we keep making this known. We keep protesting as much as we can. Uh, we keep educating ourselves with the solid, authentic teaching of the Catholic Church. And, and we continue to raise these questions. We continue to debunk his, uh, his false arguments mm. uh, and, uh, and keep exposing them because unless darkness is brought, the moment light, as they say, is the best disinfectant for sin because sin mm. flourishes as long as it is in the darkness. So, so let's keep talking and educating people. And I think part of what you're doing this morning is a very important effort to educate people about uh, the Freemasonry as an alternative Gnostic, I would even go as far as saying demonic sect. Yeah, yeah, amen. Wow, all right, Dr. Uh, Jules Gomez, we're very grateful for your time. Again, correspondent for in Rome for Church Militant and a former Anglican uh, priest. By the way, when did you come into the church? Uh, about 18 months ago. 18 months ago. Well, praise be to God for that. Uh, well, we're looking forward to having you back on soon. God bless you. God love you. Thank you for your Thank time you. today. Bless you. All right, we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. We're going to have a uh, breaking news segment with uh, Janelle. And of course, we're going to dive into a conversation with former Freemason David L. Gray. I myself am a former Freemason. He and I will conversate about why the church teaches what, they, what it teaches about it, why it's wrong, and uh, all that coming up and more. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard it said that the church has been weak and ineffective? Well, G.K. Chesterton says the church has been so powerful and effective that it colored even the things it had not hoped to influence and changed its enemies as well as its friends. It affects everything it touches. It inspires a life-changing love from its friends and a self-destructive hatred from its enemies. Its enemies will do everything to destroy it, and they end up destroying everything, except the church. The Catholic Church, says Chesterton, has endured for 2,000 years, and the world within the church has been more lucid, more level-headed, more reasonable in its hopes, more healthy in its instincts, more humorous and cheerful in the face of fate and death than all the world outside. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. 
Lots of headlines today. At least 57 migrants die in shipwreck off Libyan coast, reported by the UN. Five people missing after explosion rocks German chemical site. Myanmar floods and coup complicate growing COVID-19 outbreak. Numbers of unaccompanied minors at border setting record. U.S. will not lift travel restrictions, citing Delta variant, White House says. Hundreds of San Francisco bars to require proof of vaccination or negative COVID-19 test. Thousands join Cuba Freedom March near White House. More than 300 illegal immigrant sex offenders arrested by ICE in operation. Absent help from authorities, locals take relief work into their own hands in flood-hit central China. New York City and California require government workers to be vaccinated or show COVID-19 test weekly. Missouri governor launches MOVIP lottery program that pays people to get vaccinated. The Department of Veterans Affairs is the first federal agency to mandate COVID-19 vaccine. Hasbro suspends critical race training whistleblower, says report mischaracterizes our values. Incident tracking app pays users $25 per hour to livestream crime scenes and house fires. COVID-19 vaccine pass mandate approved by French Parliament amid widespread protests. Civilian casualties in Afghanistan hit record high amid U.S. troop withdrawal. Minnesota fourth graders forced to complete equity survey, told to hide questions from their parents, student says. Mom files a lawsuit after teacher tells third grader she can't wear Jesus Loves Me mask. Iran says it detains agents working for Israel and seizes arms cash. And also from Reuters, U.S. Defense Secretary says committed to stable, constructive relationship with China. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said on Tuesday he was committed to having a constructive relationship with China and working on common challenges as he laid out his vision for ties with Beijing, which have sunk to their lowest point in decades. The United States has put countering China at the heart of its national security policy for years, and President Joe Biden's administration has called rivalry with Beijing the, great, the biggest geopolitical test of this century. While Austin's speech in Singapore will touch on the usual list of behavior Washington describes as destabilizing from Taiwan to the South China Sea, his comments about seeking a stable relationship could provide an opening for the two countries to start to reduce tension. We will not flinch when our interests are threatened, yet we do not seek confrontation, Austin said, according to excerpts of his speech. I am committed to, cons- to pursuing a constructive, stable relationship with China, including stronger crisis communications with the People's Liberation Army. Austin has been unable to speak with any senior Chinese officials despite repeated attempts since starting as Defense Secretary in January. Even with the tension and heated rhetoric, U.S. military officials have long sought to keep open lines of communication with their Chinese counterparts to be able to mitigate potential flare-ups or tackle any incidents. A top Chinese diplomat took a confrontational tone on Monday in rare high-level talks with the U.S., accusing it of creating an imaginary enemy to divert attention from domestic problems and to suppress China. 
And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Tuesday. Praise be to God in all things. Thanks, uh, Janelle, for keeping us up to date. Uh, joining us now by Zoom chat is the uh, the podcast host, uh, Talking Catholic on YouTube, the radio host, the David L. Gray Show, Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Central, across the GRN, and the author of the Catholic Catechism on Freemasonry. And uh, we're very grateful to have him. David L. Gray, good morning to you, sir. Joe, Adrian, Janelle, how you guys doing? Good morning. Praise be to God. We are alive, and that counts. And uh, yeah. now you are a former Freemason. I myself am a former Freemason. We've had this conversation, you and I, before, and I thought it'd be great to do it again um, and it, uh, really try to have an understanding on why the Church teaches what it teaches. Because mm-hmm. uh, with our last guest, we, we stated that canon law uh, strictly forbids Catholics from being a part of secret societies. It used to say Freemasons in particular. Now it just says, I think, secret societies. But let's start there. Why does the Church prohibit Catholics from being a part of secret societies? Yeah, that, that's, that's an important thing to talk about. Um, it's like you said, in light of the new canon, which you know says secret societies, but the canon prior to that, I think in 1917, explicitly said Freemasonry. And there always seems to be a lot of confusion about this issue because people think, oh, well, I can't be a Freemason because of all the conspiracies and, and things like this. No, I mean, we can't be a Freemason because the church teaches so, and it teaches so dogmatically. Mm. It's not some sort of moto proprio that may change with Pope the Pope or some sort of discipline of the church which may change. No, it's a dogmatic teaching that's been in place since 1732 with Pope Clement, who found that Freemasonry is a harm to the soul and to the church. And he explicitly stated for the four reasons why Catholics cannot be Freemasons. And real succinctly, um, the first one was that Freemasonry is, um, it, it teaches naturalism, natural probity, that it relies on its own law. Um, and he found that Freemasonry teaches indifferentism. Indifferentism, he, but he met that, he looked at, yeah, clearly I think he had some access to the Anderson's constitution and maybe some assigned rituals. And he saw that, well, Freemasonry is teaching that there wasn't anything um, supernatural or exceptional about Christianity. Mm. And that what it was teaching that Freemasonry was proposing to be the center of union by which all men can agree. So it was taking in um, Christians and, and um, Jews at that time. And they were saying that in the Anderson's Constitution from 1723 was that um, it was proposing to be the universal religion by which all men can agree, and it was wanting to create a universal brotherhood. Isn't that the job of the church? Yeah. So, so, and that's that, and that's, and that's, that's, that's our, the natural rub. That's our job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's how we see Christ. We see Christ as a center of union, and, and so, um, and then, then the other two reasons that Pope Clement um, the Twelfth laid out was that um, it's more political reasons, which came to bear later, is really a prophetic encyclical in enmity that Clement. Uh, 12 wrote because the other two reasons were that Freemasons are meeting in secret. We don't know what they're doing. They're causing sp- suspicion. Um, and that, um, that these, um, these secret meetings, they, they invade against the Catholic church. And so yeah. that did come to fruit later. And we see that with um, Leo XIII and his, his seminal work against Freemasonry and cyclical humanogenesis. You know, Patty, in our uh, who is one of our longtime uh, big CDT insider fans, she is uh, asking a question here. Uh, she, you know, she's heard of one of the myths, misconceptions is that Freemasonry was founded specifically 
to combat the Catholic Church uh, in Europe. Uh, maybe you can uh, you can dispel that myth. Why were where did the Freemasons start? What was their initial purpose? Um, and uh, at what point did they take on the Church? Yeah, it's really interesting history, Joe. And thanks, Patty, for that, that question because um, Freemasonry was seen. Arguably, I think we can we can we can trace this. Our Freemasonry starts from the European guilds, the guild system, and it was sort of like a labor movement. So back in um, Europe in the 12th, 13th, 14th century, you know, you had these guilds, these men, masons, who were building cathedrals and monasteries and all the great structures throughout Europe at this time. So they had a they had a guild system, um, and, and so an interesting thing is that these Masons who got the name Mace, Freemasons from um, the st- type of stone they worked with, the Freestone. Also Freemason from the fact that they would travel around to find yeah. labor, so they were free to find labor. And so interesting that obviously at this period in time in Europe before Anglicanism, Anglicanism in the Church of England comes, that these were Catholics. They had, um, they, they had um, always had a, a priest attached to their guild, always had they were devoted to some saint. They have festivals, mm. Catholic festivals. So after Freemasonry, after the guild system evolves, modernization comes. And that's when we see Freemasonry transition from this operative organization to a philosophical organization that then started to have an ideology. And that's in 1717 where we see this um, Grand Lodge start. And as I said, their constitution, their first constitution, was an attack against the Catholic Church and what the Catholic Church is proposing. So I wouldn't say Freemasonry as a guild system was started to combat the Catholic Church, because it wasn't. These were Catholics. But in 1717, with the start of the Grand Lodge, we do see this trajectory that did start in vain very strongly against the Catholic Church and trying to replace it. Long before people were talking about a New World Order or the Great Reset, there's what Leo XIII called the Masonic program, and it was mm. a resetting of the moral order of the world. Wow. So, does that mean that the uh, the Freemason uh, mythology that they train they trace their lineage back to the Egyptians uh, <laughs> building the pyramids that that is not true? One and a half minutes. <laughs> that that's not true in one and a half minute. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need more time to elaborate on that. You know, it's, okay, so what I, we're going to be up against a break here in just a moment. And one of the things I would like to do on the other side of our break is maybe uh, share you and I a little bit of the insider baseball of some of the, at least the Blue Lodge. I only made it up to the third degree, right? It's a Master Mason Blue Lodge. But maybe sharing some of the those uh, rituals and why we as Catholics ought to have problems with the elements in some of those rituals. But one yeah. of them is they 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 claim a, a ritual that claims to go all the way back to the masons that built the uh the temple under King Solomon uh, yeah. and Hiram Abiff and uh, yeah, <laughs> clearly this this is coming out of the 18th century long long after Solomon died and was buried. At any rate, yeah. we're going to go to a break. That music means we're up against a break. David L. Gray is our guest. He is the author of The Catholic Catechism on Freemasonry, which you can find and purchase from his website davidlgray.info. That's davidlgray.info. We'll be right back. More to come. Don't go anywhere. Thank you. 
According to Saint Benedict, we should honor all people. One minute monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. In his rule, Saint Benedict takes this quote from the first letter of Peter. But it would be easier had he told us to honor humankind, because abstractions are easy to honor. But we can all think of specific individuals who, by themselves, are very difficult to honor. But no, we are instructed to honor every person. He doesn't tell us to decide first whether the person is worthy of honor. Rather, we are to honor all people because each person is made in God's image, and the Son of God gave up His life for that person too. For your free copy of the Rule of Saint Benedict, visit oneminutemonk.com. O n e minutemonk.com. If by God's grace we can make this choice to honor all people, we will have become a little more like God, who causes His reign to fall on the good. And the bad alike. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you. Praise be to God. David L. Gray is our guest. He is the author of the Catholic Catechism on Freemasonry. Again, linked up at davidlgray.info. He's also a host of a radio program across the、uh, GRN Wednesdays, four o'clock. And、uh, you can tune in on on YouTube even and watch it live. That's、uh, just look for the GRN Online、uh, YouTube channel. But、uh, David, it's great to have you back on the program. I want to get into some of the rituals that you and I.、Uh, now you were a far more、uh, powerful and influential Freemason than I was, but、uh, I was just、uh, a third degree Master Mason. You went much further than I did. And that, 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 that's really surprising, Joe, because I remember. All your life, you were like an overachiever when it came to grades. I mean, high school. College, okay, I so, cheated. It, I cheated. It surprises me that you didn't become a thirty-fifth. So, <laughs> is there a thirty-fifth? I didn't even know that. <laughs>、uh, only, only people of your ilk would know that. See, I, they, don't,、right. they don't let me know that stuff. Now, I cheated before I. I knew I was going to join the lodge because my father was a, a Freemason. My、oh. my mom's dad was a Freemason. And、uh, I knew I was going to join the lodge. I wanted to make my father proud of me, and、mm. but I found a book、uh, at the bookstore that detailed all the rituals, and、yeah. I, I cheated and I read that. And、uh, see, <laughs> <laughs> but I was fascinated by it because of their revisionist stealing of history and manipulating it for their ends, especially when it came to、uh, like the the holy nights and the crusades, and、yeah. uh, and and how they take that lore and use it. To、uh, to inspire men such as myself to to go, I want to be a part of this. But、yes. let's、uh, let's dive into some of the rituals in the first three degrees at least. What what did you now that you've left the the, the Freemasons? You're a Catholic. What do you find troubling about those rituals that you had gone through? Yeah, you know, look looking back, that was like that's a really great question because I was back then I was. More agnostic and deist than I was. I was definitely anti-Christian at that time, but I was always appealed to Christian morality. You know, I thought Christianity has something to offer the world. I just didn't think it was Protestantism, right?、Mm. Um, but I remember going through those degrees, and I remember always hearing—you may remember this—always hearing 
um, scriptures from the Bible. And I remember seeing a Bible on the altar. Mm-hmm. And so there was, I, you know, back then I had, I was under no impression that Freemasonry was anti-Christian or anti-Christ because it had the Bible, it had scriptures. And so and that's really one of the, the, the key dangers of Freemasonry, this syncretism, how it incorporates religions into itself to make it looks like it's really, it's one to say that it's higher than religion, um, or especially Christianity. But how, how, how it's so appealing like that to people of, of good intention, like, oh, there's nothing wrong going on here. Subtle, right? Yeah. Very subtle. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's uh, going back to something you said the last segment about how the Freemasons set themselves up to be a pseudo-church. Uh, mm. A pseudo universal church, yeah. uh, and uh, that was one of the things that bothered me when I was in the uh, Blue Lodge was how we would take in Buddhists, for instance. And oh, I remember wow. asking my father, "Dad, how could this be possible? Buddhists don't believe in God. They believe yeah. it, as long as they have a, a belief, and as long as they admit to a higher power, that's all that was required." And I'm like, "But there's a Bible on the altar. Like, I don't know. There's like, I, who am I? But I know that there's a conflict there, just from reason, right? Does that mean atheists can't become Freemasons? Well, they are. They are, especially, especially, you know, there's, you know, every Grand Lodge is a little bit different. And so you find a lot of atheists in what's called the Grand Orient system of lodges. They would be called a European system. Um, and so a little bit different in your continental system, which your Anglo or your Anglo Freemasons versus the continental system. But yeah, in, in the Anglo system that Joe and I were in, um, you just had to be a mono, you had to believe in one, um, believe in monotheism, you know, had to have one God. And that conflict with India and, and, and Hindus and Buddhists go back to, I think, to about the 18th century during the age of expansion, where Freemasons were encountering these people in India. And first they gave them their own lodge, and then they start to integrate them. But mm. it's really a political move, right, back then. Mm. Well, some of the things that I found troubling now, well, now, not at the time, obviously, but now that I've had the opportunity to meditate, ponder, and think back, you know, being stripped of everything in your Christian identity, you know, taking, if I wasn't married, but if you were, you'd have to take your wedding ring off, any crucifixes would have to be removed in, in order to enter into the lodge, because the idea being, you're in the dark, and you need to come into the light, and, yeah. and the lodge was the light. Uh, yeah. So your Christianity had to be checked at the door, your yeah. marriage, that had to be checked at the door before you came in. Uh, being stripped naked, obviously, yeah. awkward part of the ritual, uh, the, the fact that uh, your life was threatened at the point of a knife on your chest, that you would take blood oaths, uh, that you would swear to be torn in twain, <laughs> you know, less than optimal, I would argue, or that you would participate in, in maybe even the, the murder of others if they should reveal the secrets of the Lodge. Now, you might, well, a Mason may argue, well, college Jewish, these are just words. They don't, ever, they don't ever do them. They don't ever mean them. But should David L. Gray, should, should Christians, should Catholics make blood oaths? Is that something we ought to be doing? <laughs> I mean, def- definitely not. I mean, there's, I mean, there's just some basic logical reasons and scriptural reasons. The church teaching it would be definitely um, opposed to that um, vehemently. But this is what I talk about in my book, a very interesting chapter in my book. I talk about uh, Freemasonry as a religion. And there's some things that we can say. We take all religions and say, okay, they have the, all these in, all these same marks. Okay, this is how we know what a religion is. And we can, you know, debate about that. But one, one of the unique things about our religions is that our religions have a system that we could say is sacramental. And by sacramental, I mean the religion proposes by through this means they're going to make you a 
different person or they're going to um, put you on a different path, right? It's through these, these sacraments, right? Mm. Every, every religion has them. Now, Freemasonry has them as well because Freemasonry is a secretic religion. And, and because and so in Freemasonry, the sacramental system is the degrees. And as you pointed out, just in the very first degree, what Freemasonry is proposing to do is this rebirth, right? Um, strip you down, bring you into the light, um, bring you out of the ignorance. And it does all these things to what? Make you a better man, right? Not through Christ and his grace, but through your whole, own human effort of learning how these working tools work and to apply them to your life. So these are sacraments. I mean, be under under no uh, impression that they're not. So no, a Catholic cannot be a Freemason more than a Catholic can be a Muslim or a mm. Catholic can be a, a Buddhist or, or whatever. These are two different paths that the that the, the church has you on to become a saint versus the the Freemasons have you on to be some sort of better person through some sort of system and naturalism and differentism. You know, so my friend had a situation recently. I was uh, out with a friend and they were telling me my sister got approached by Freemasons to become a Freemason. And I was like, that doesn't make sense because I thought only men could be Freemasons. So what exactly was happening in that situation, uh, if you would know? Yeah, so like I said, you have so many different sets of Freemasonry. They're kind of like Protestants in a sense. And so... Joe and I, we belong to what's typically called the Anglo set of Freemasonry. You know, that's the most predominant, started in England, Ireland, Scotland, right? Then you have your continental Freemasons, who the Anglos sometimes recognize as being legitimate, you know, <laughs> but then you have all these different subsets and groups. And so, yeah, you have Freemasons who are women and you have co-Masonic lodges, that's men and women. Um, and, and so it just, it's just a, a litany I mean, like Joe said, you could go to uh, any bookstore and buy the ritual, start your own Masonic Lodge, you know, so it's... <laughs> don't do that. We don't recommend that, by the way. <laughs> but that's probably one of the issues, too, especially in conversations surrounding the church, uh, something we were just, we, we tapped into with uh, Dr. Jules Gomez in the last segment. Um, there's a lot of myths, misconceptions, there's a lot of uh, conspiracy theory labels that get thrown around. Anytime we try to have conversations around Freemasons and their interaction activity within the Catholic Church. And uh, I think in this regard, what happens, a lot of uh, Catholic commentators lump all Masonic lodges into the same bucket or all uh, secret societies into the same bucket. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have. I, mean, I don't think there's a lot of um, distinction that, that, that takes place um, that I think is is necessary, but also at the same time, you know, getting too far into the distinctions and the nuance, I, th I think it does lose the message. Um, and I think that's why I really think we just need to stick to the base thing. Why can't, why can't like you asked me in the beginning, you know, why can't Catholic Freemasons well, be Freemasons? Well, because the church teaches that so, and this is why. And it never really had anything to do with the conspiracies or um, quasi-Masonic groups, you know, like the uh, Illuminati or uh, Carbonari and all these things. It, you know, the church teaches that it's, it's good for our soul. Church is mother, and it wants mm. to care for us. And the church has found out that Freemasonry is a religion and that we shouldn't belong to it. Let's uh, let's play devil's advocate when they have about uh, two minutes or so on the clock here. But golly gee whiz, David, I know Freemasons. My uncle, my father, my brother, my neighbor, uh, they're all good men. I don't understand what your problem is, David. Why are you so, such such a hater? I mean, they wear their hats. They drive the little go-karts. They help children in the hospitals. Uh, what is going on here? Why, would, why, why do you have a problem with good men doing good things? 
Yeah, I mean, well, good isn't really a standard. Um, well-meaning isn't really a standard. Um, and we're, we're supposed to be aspiring to be saints, to be holy. And so, yeah, we could point out a good atheist here and there who does some so-called good things. But what we're talking about is um, an organization that, through its ideology, um, invades against the Catholic Church and Christ and puts path, souls on a path to hell. And so we should care for those souls rather than just be apathetic and say, oh, they're just doing some good things riding their motorcycles. No. Um, the organization I belong to is not going to participate in their salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Good answer. Well, praise be to God, we're getting down to the wire here. The Catholic Catechism on Freemasonry. Uh, where's the best place to get that? Yeah, if, if you, you know, you like Amazon, it's on Amazon. If you like Barnes & Noble or Target, it's there too. But um, if you want to, you know, support Catholic publishers, you know, just go to St. Dominic's Media, stdominicsmedia.com, and you purchase there, uh, free shipping there as well. But you get anywhere that you desire to. Even um, Our Lady of uh, Our Sorrowful Mother's Ministry, their one Catholic bookstore wow. organization that has it on their website. So, yeah. Praise be to God. His other books are also linked up at davidlgray.info. Check them out. And don't forget his uh, radio show, Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Central, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God love you, David. Thanks for being on our program. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Adrian Janelle. All right. Praise be to God. Uh, great first hour there. If you can join us in the next hour, we would love to have you. Our game show is on the agenda, and prizes are involved. You could win. It's fun. It's, uh, it's easy, at least sometimes. But I promise it's always a good time. You'll always learn something. Check us out online, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Bible says to call no man father, so why do we call our priests father? In Matthew 23, verse 9, it says, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Notice that this verse makes no distinction between spiritual fathers, which is what priests are, and biological fathers. This passage says that no man is to be called father. Therefore, you cannot distinguish between calling a priest father and calling the man who is married to your mother father. But is that actually what this passage is saying? Or is Jesus warning us against trying to usurp the fatherhood of God, which is what the Pharisees and scribes were doing? They wanted all attention focused on them. They were leaving God, the Father, out of the equation. And even if you just interpret this passage from Matthew 23 as an absolute ban against calling anyone your spiritual father, then there are some problems for you in the rest of Scripture. For example, Jesus in the story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16 has the rich man referring to Abraham as father several times. Paul in Romans 4 refers to Abraham as the father of the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. Spiritual fatherhood, not biological fatherhood. In Acts 7 and then in Acts 22, first Stephen and then Paul referred to the Jewish priests and elders as brothers and fathers. Spiritual fatherhood. So, if you interpret Matthew 23 as saying we cannot call anyone our spiritual father, then you have to believe that Jesus, Paul, and Stephen all got it wrong. It is okay to call priests our spiritual fathers today, 
We are simply imitating the example given us by Jesus, Paul, and Stephen, all of whom who used the term in a spiritual sense. As long as we remember that our true Father is God the Father and that all aspects of our fatherhood, biological and spiritual, are derived from Him. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Good morning. Good to be on with you. Just wrapped up a great conversation about why Catholics are not allowed to be Freemasons or members of secret societies. Uh, we also we talked to uh, Dr. Jules Gomez, uh, Rome correspondent, to talk about some openly fr- a member, open members of the uh, of the Freemasons in Europe who are still active in the Curia there in Rome. And um, pun intended, I'm very curious why that could be. How could how could that be? Even though canon law is so very clear on the subject. Uh, we also talked to David O'Greg. He and I are both former uh, members of the of the Lodge, and he and I both discussed our own experiences there, but he has written a book on the subject, and I encourage everyone to check that out. Again, you can find it at davidlgray.info. So if you're, if you're you need education and lightning, that would be a great resource to maybe share with friends and family. Again, davidogray.info. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Mr. Joe. And now, were you aware of the Freemasons and the church's teaching on Freemasons? Well, I, I knew that like the church was like against Freemasonry, but I've only heard like bits and snippets from like other Catholic speakers that my mom listens to oh, from really? time to time. Wow. Yeah, um, I, I learned um, a few from I think it was David L. Gray. Now that I think about it, he had a couple talks yeah. and um, a lot from Census Fidelium as well. Uh, so thanks be to God, but it was great to have him on. It was super interesting, super jolly guy, um, very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Don't, he doesn't need that, Janelle. He goes straight to his ego. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah, praise you know, be to God. I, I really like David O'Gray. I love I love his uh, social media accounts. They crack me up. He's, he's always savage. causing uh, he poking the bear. Savage. He's always he's poking, poking the bear. The bear. And, exactly and it cracks good. me up. That's a great uh, it's characterization. Of it's it's exactly <laughs> my my kind of personal social media. You either media. love him or you hate him. I wonder him. what the grizzly will do if I poke him. Trick that. Yeah. It's like, what if I do it again? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a scientific method, of course. He's just experimenting. Uh, but I was surprised. There were several people in the com box watching the live video feed who said that they were just unaware of some of the conversation that we were having, and especially in regards to church's teaching on, on Freemasons and their history, et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully that was a very enlightening hour, and we'll be posting those conversations to our social feeds 
Uh, I don't know, at some point later today, maybe we'll see. But you can always find the podcast version of our show. So I encourage you to check that out. Not only can you listen to it directly on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, but you can get it on Spotify, the iTunes uh, podcast store. Uh, you can get it on uh, the Google Play store. And everywhere podcasts are available, search for Catholic Drive Time, subscribe, leave a review. That would be amazing to us. Thank you very, very much for that. All right, so in this hour, we are going to do the breaking news and stories. All good news this hour. We don't let Janelle say anything negative in her newscast in this hour, right? That so, is correct. So we uh, so strict rules. A second hour should be fun and engaging, of course, until we get to the after show when we can get serious again. Uh, but we're going to do breaking news and stories, and then we'll do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then we're going to do Fear and Trembling. And hopefully, this like yesterday's questions were kind of rough, okay? Hopefully today, the little... Oh, I'm looking at them. A lot easier. A lot easier. We'll just have to see how that goes. But if you would like to win prizes, well, try to be our first phone call today, and you might get in on the uh, the prize pack giveaway this week from Oremus. Praise be to God. We're very grateful for their, their sponsorship. So all of that coming up in the first half of this hour. And then, of course, in the second half, we do an after show. It's not on radio. It's only on live video feed. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, but we're also uh, feeding directly to our website where you can watch and comment if you'd like, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's what's on the agenda. Let's dive in by praying for your intentions, whatever your needs are. Of course, we're praying for the conversion of all members of the Freemasons as well. Uh, may God have mercy on them and bring them home into the church. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the good news which in L.A. Pakistani at 19 becomes the youngest person to summit K2. Church helps Myanmar's struggling health system cope with COVID-19. Ireland stops euthanasia activists' attempt to legalize killing people in assisted suicide. And from Life News, Christians celebrate closing of abortion clinic that killed babies in abortions for 50 years. Pro-life advocates in Portland, Oregon celebrated a long-fought effort to save unborn babies from abortions and their city this summer after a nearly 50-year-old abortion facility closed. Thanks be to God. And last but not least, the pro-life movement has a new pro-life flag, and it celebrates moms and babies. Also from Life News, it says that the pro-life movement now has an official flag. On Monday, the pro-life flag project revealed the winning design. A mother's hands circled around a baby's footprints with two pink and blue stripes over a white background. With two feet the child and two hands of the mother, two stripes and two main colors, it emphasizes the two lives presented in a pregnancy and the love the pro-life movement shows to both, the project website states. The flag was a project of a large coalition of national, international, state, and community pro-life organizations to create a universally recognized, unifying symbol for the pro-life movement. Brazilian graphic designer Nada 
Gasparani of Sao Paulo designed the winning flag. Organizers received more than 1,000 flag designs, narrowed them down to six, and then allowed the public to vote on a final design. According to organizers, the white background on the flag represents nonviolence and the innocence of the unborn child, while the baby's feet are based on the iconic precious feet pin, a symbol of the pro-life movement for decades. The pink hands surrounding the feet represent the pregnant mother protecting her child, and the heart in between the baby's feet symbolizes the pro-life movement's love for both mother and child. The stripes represent emphasize that two distinct human lives are present in a pregnancy. They also form an equal sign symbolizing human rights and equality for every human being. Organizers sought to create a recognizable flag similar to what other movements have done. Quote, People around the country and the world, regardless of their stance on abortion, will see the flag, know its meaning, and be compelled to think about the reality of abortion, the website states. Through positive symbolism within the design, the flag will also serve to positively brand the movement that has, in many mainstream currents, been so vilified and misrepresented. End quote. Right now, the project is selling flags and bumper stickers through its website, ProLifeFlag.com. However, organizers hope the image soon will be on t-shirts, pins, hats, and other materials. Partners in the effort include March for Life, Students for Life of America, Focus on the Family, Heritage House, Rehumanize International, Secular Pro-Life, Save the Storks, and numerous other state, local, and international pro-life organizations. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Janelle Lay. God love you and have a good Tuesday. The saint of the day is Mary Magdalene Martinego. She was born on the 5th of October, 1687 at Bresca, Italy. She was born into the Italian nobility and her mother died while Mary was five months old. The lack of a mother affected the girl deeply and led her to intense religious devotion and prayer. At the age of 18, she joined the Capuchin Poor Clares of Santa Maria della Neve in Bresca, Italy. She professed in 1706, and she spent the rest of her life in the convent. She was recognized in the convent for her holiness and her prayer life. She became prioress twice and served several years as a novice mistress. She worked to promote devotion to Christ crucified and used her own example to encourage penance and personal sacrifice for the Lord. She died on the 27th of July, 1737, in Bresca, Italy, of natural causes. She was beatified on the 3rd of June, 1900, by Pope Leo XIII. Blessed Mary Magdalene Martinego, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 13, verses 36 through 43. Jesus dismissed the crowds and went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed, the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will collect out of His kingdom all 
who cause others to sin and all evildoers. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears ought to hear the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, our Lord seems to be tapping into Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, in uh, discussing uh, this sort of this ju- day of judgment, which is kind of terrifying to some. However, St. Augustine brings this point out. He says, the tares or the weeds are first separated, signifies that by tribulation, the wicked shall be separated from the righteous. And this is understood to be performed by good angels. Notice the use Augustine uses of tribulation, that by tribulation is this separation made. So maybe that's a good context for us to think about the tribulations we face in life, or the tribulations that might come still. And good and faithful sons and daughters of the Most High King might suffer, but through this tribulation, it becomes very clear who are the sons of the devil and who are the children of the Most High. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, uh, this is very fascinating to me. So, Cornelius Lapide had a lot to say about this passage, as he normally does, but there's two things, two points that I want to point out. The one thing is in regards to not pulling up the tares, and the second thing about the angels being the harvesters. So, the angels being the harvesters, I'll read you to uh, read to you what Cornelius Lapide said here. He said, For then shall God by the angels reap the harvest of all men, bad as well as good, and shall sever them from the day of judgment, gathering the good into the heavenly barn and delivering the evil to the fire of hell. Whence it follows that separation shall be affected by the ministry of the angels. Therefore, it is said below that the Son of Man shall come to judgment with the angels. That's incredibly enlightening because at the end of our time, the harvest will happen and the angels will come and they will separate the sheep from the goats. And then the second point that I wanted to make was, according to Lapide says that at the beginning, Augustine kind of thought he was of the opinion that, you know, okay, so our Lord says that the tares and the, the weeds and the weeds will grow together and we shouldn't throw them out. And so he was like, okay, so I guess we don't punish heretics and we don't kick them out of the church. And then it says, he says, but later on, he actually changes his opinion because he realized here our Lord is saying not that you shouldn't uh, kick heretics and murderers. And right here he's saying when he uses the word murder, he's saying a murderer of the soul. And that's what's important here because he's saying that murdering the soul is so much more grave than murder of the body. Yeah. So he says here that those who murder the soul need to be rejected, put out for the sake of everyone else. Because in scripture, it says that you are not taking out all the weeds. Because if you take out all the weeds, then you're going to tear up the wheat with it. But if you know a particular weed, one that stands out to you, then you can go over and you can pluck it out without damaging the wheat. And this is the same case for heretics and manifest uh, evils that you can see public sin needs to be rejected, needs to be called out in order to save the flock, to save the souls of those who would be affected by them and in hopes of saving their soul as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Praise be to God. I also like the uh, the early church fathers talking about how nothing, you know, sort of tapping into uh, Revelation 21, 27, nothing unclean enters, enters heaven. So you have to make a choice. Are you going to be a child of God or a child of the devil? You have to make a choice. And calling out uh, sins, especially those public ones, that is a part of that the process of making that choice. Where do you stand today? Well, we're looking for a caller to play our game and possibly give out some prizes to. Could be you. The phone number is 877-757-9424. All Easy Question Tuesday at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes, we Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. And the uh, phone lines are wide open. We're looking for our caller to play our game. And it's all easy question Tuesday today. So, and trust me, you don't even need to know the answers to get in on the prize. And here's the phone number, 877-757-9424. Call right now. Phone lines are open at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. If you've never played... Now is your chance. If you haven't played in a while, call now, 877-757-9424. There are three things we like to do, but I don't want to tell the world what we do in our secret and hidden agenda. So if I share this with you, you got to promise to keep it just between us, okay? But there are a few things. Number one, we like to teach the faith, so we look for questions with teachable moments. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have fun, and our contestants uh, tend to be a lot of fun. They tend to laugh with us and roll with the punches and be good sports, and we really enjoy that part. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes, kind of making it a winner for everybody involved. 
Uh, but here's the kicker. We do not ask our caller these questions, so they don't need to know the answers to these questions in order to still win our game. Because I will ask Janelle and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Janelle or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. So praise be to God for that. Janelle, what could they win? You can win a moose-style standard-sized Bible cover made to fit the Great Adventure Bible, a standard-sized breviary cover, a regular print Magnificat cover, and a rosary pouch. This is all using a beautiful chocolate brown leather uh, with black stitching, giving your religious goods a beautiful and elegant look. It's 100% handmade and built to last a lifetime. High quality leather and great craftsmanship are what make Oremus Leatherwork stand out. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, praise be to God. Awesome. That's moose as in like the giant moose. Right. Yes, as yeah. in the animal moose, like yeah. with the horns. Can with I win this prize with the horns? Am I allowed to win? Antlers. <laughs> Antlers. <laughs> Antlers. <laughs> wrong, wrong terminology. Yeah. Can you win this prize? It's a cool prize, isn't it? It it's is a cool. really cool prize. Yeah. But even if you don't win, you can also check out their store. They also sell Biro covers, breviary covers, Magnificat covers, missile covers, rosary pouches, guitar straps. Wow, guitar straps. guitar straps. Yeah, guitar straps. I need one, actually. Oh. I think I'll buy one Yeah. From them. They also mm. sell wallets, bags, purses, and crossbodies. I so, do not need a purse a right now. <laughs> you need a, a man bag? Uh, now, as a, okay, a Scottish heritage, part of the getup and the, the Scottish heritage is a sporran. It no, it, sporin. You might think it looks like a purse. It is not. It mm-hmm. is a sporin. Okay, like and your skirt. No, it is a kilt. Oh, okay, okay, Good okay. Grief. All right, we're we're digressing here. We have running out of time here. Let's go to the phones. Uh, let's see here, Amika. Good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our program. Good morning. Praise be to God. Now, did I say your name correctly? How do I say your name right? You said you're right, Emeka. Emeka. Well, praise be to God, Emeka. Where yes. are you from? I'm from Richmond, Texas. Nice. And where do you go to church? Epiphany of the Lord. Ah, praise be to God. Well, we're very grateful to have you on the program today, Emeka. Now, do you <laughs> are you familiar with how the game is played? Do you know the rules? Yes. All right. <clears throat> pa- okay, straw poll really quickly. Who's trickier, Janelle or Adrian? Well... Janelle got the brutal. <laughs> 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 I mean, people trust her, but sometimes she will pull the rugs off your head. Man. <laughs> but I give them 50 50. I give them 50 50. 50 50. You're being I'm, too I'm, generous, uh, I'm America. very careful now. I'm very careful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, praise be to God. Uh, outed in public, Janelle. All right. Here we go. Well, let's play the game then. We will go to Janelle first, as is our custom. Janelle, are you ready? Uh, I think so. Are you sure? Yes, I'm ready. Are you sure? I'm ready. Janelle, can you tell me who is the patron saint of domestic animals? Domestic animals? Yes, as opposed to wild. Okay. That is Saint Anne. Yeah. Really? That's um, her first name Anne, mm-hmm. last name Mel, really? and middle name is Edith. So a lot of people like to call her Saint Anne E. Mel. Interesting. Yes. Huh. Okay, let's see what Brother Adrian has to say. Since 50-50 chance he's trickier or ist. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me? Who is the patron saint of domestic animals? Um, yes. I'm going to go with St. Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> since, since we're talking like that. 
Saint. Saint. Your answer is Saint Anthony. Yes, Saint Anthony. Okay. Or Anthony. Is it Anthony, Anthony of Padua? I mean, which Anthony we're we talking about here? I'm sure, sure it's Padua. This is Tony here. Okay, Saint Anthony. Tony of Padua. Saint Anthony uh, preached the fishes once, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, Saint Anne Emel. Annie Mel. Okay. So Janelle's on the hook for Saint Annie Mel. And Adrian is on the hook for Saint Anthony. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Emeka, what say you? Adrian. Survey says. Duh. No hesitation. <laughs> How did you possibly guess that? Amiga. Amiga. Well, um, I know that uh, St. Francis of Assisi and St. Um, Anthony of Padua, they oh. are my both, you know, so I know uh, one has to do, they got to do with animals. So yeah. they have some, they have something to do with animals. So when he said uh, Anthony of Padua, I knew that yeah. was my there guy. There you go. Oh. Yeah. Now, he <laughs> preached to the fishes once, uh, mostly because yes. people would not listen to him, and at least the fishes would. <laughs> yes. Uh, fun fact, Anthony also wanted to be a martyr, but God refused him the privilege. Send him back home. Yes. It'd be like that sometimes. Sometimes. Now, St. Animal. Um, I don't know if you caught the subtlety in that, Amanda, <laughs> but uh, Janelle was trying to throw a curveball at you, and you didn't swing. Praise <laughs> be to God. Praise I told you. You are, 50. 50. <laughs> you, are, you are in the coffee cup, Amaka. Congratulations. Let's see if we can't double your chances uh, with this next question. We'll go to Adrian. Adrian, can you. You, can you tell me, what is higher than a high mass? What is higher than a high mass? That'd be a misa private. Uh, okay. A misa, a misa Private. Gesundheit. Yes. Yeah. Which is, you know, a high mass is a misa cantata. Uh huh. A, and a higher than a high mass is okay. a misa private. Private. Uh huh. Mm, okay, let's see what uh, Miss Janelle has to say. Janelle, can you tell me what could be higher than a high mass? Higher than a high mass? Higher than a high mass. Higher than a high mass. Okay, I'm going to say that is called a solemn high mass. Huh. Yeah. It's like pretty, a high mass with solemn. Yeah. Pretty, pretty straightforward, I'd say. Yeah. In that regard. Okay. Uh, so, Amika, here's the deal. Janelle says a solemn high mass is what's higher than a high mass, whereas Adrian says a misa private is higher than a high mass. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Janelle or Adrian? Amika, what say you? But I'll go with Janelle. Survey says. Oh, sorry. What? Wrong button. Like button. Tricky. Duh. There we go. Oh, wow. I mean, he's so tried, eager to push he that tried button. tried to steal that from you. Did the you buttons see? are too close together. <laughs> uh, in fact, you were right, Amika. It is, in fact, uh, Janelle was right here. It is a solemn high mass. Uh, a misa private, Adrian? Yeah, what could that, that be? That's a private mass. Which is definitely and not. And so it's definitely, yeah, it's a very, it's a it's low mass. It's as low as, yeah. low as yeah. you can get. I so, mean. The exact opposite. The exact opposite. So very yeah. tricky, but. But uh, you did not fall for that, Amika. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Praise be to God. Oh, we got to hurry along here. Third time. You might uh, get a perfect score today. Let's just see how it goes. We're going back to Janelle. Janelle, can you tell me, in what city do we find the relics of the manger where the baby Jesus was placed? Where do those relics reside today? Oh, of the manger? The, of the manger. That's in Istanbul, Turkey. 
Uh, we, can we not say Constantinople anymore? Is that not a... Oh, is that the, is that the name? Istanbul, not Constantinople. <laughs> so your answer is Istanbul. Istanbul, okay. yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In Turkey. Not that far from Nazareth, really. Yeah, the way yeah. the crow flies. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to uh, Brother Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me, in what city do we find the relics of the manger where the baby Jesus was placed? Where do those relics preside today? Rome, Italy. Not Rome, Texas. Rome, uh, Italy. Not Rome, Texas. Probably safe bet there. All right, so your answer is Rome. Rome, Italy. All right, so Adrian is on the hook for Rome, and Janelle is on the hook for Istanbul. 15 seconds on the clock. Amika, what say you? This is a tough one, but I'll go with Janelle. Are you sure? Oh, I'm oh. so sorry. <laughs> Close. Definitely. Close to a two for a three for three. Yeah, it's not Istanbul. and uh, It's in Rome. In fact, why? how do we know it's in Rome? St. Helena, right? I'm sure this is part of her treasure trove that she bought, brought back to Rome. Being the mother of Constantine, she brought back uh, the, the cross, the crown of thorns, the staircase, a bunch of things that uh, she was able to go to the Holy Land to bring them all back in the 4th century. And there you go. So, Amika, I'm sorry you got that one wrong. However, you're still in the cup for two opportunities. How do you feel? I feel great. Thank, thank you. Praise be to God, Amika. You were a lot of fun. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're very grateful to you. Mm. Have a great day, Amika. We're going to put you on hold okay. in case we, uh, in case it be God's will that your name should be drawn from the coffee cup of divine providence. We're going to grab your phone number. But uh, God love you and God bless you. If you want another opportunity, dear listener, to win, tomorrow is your chance. Wednesday, three more opportunities to play our game to get into the coffee cup. And it might be God's will that you get pulled out of the cup on Friday. So tune in for that. If you can hang out with us in the after show on the live video stream, we'd love to have you. Praise be to Jesus. Otherwise, tomorrow we're going to play General Boykin's interview. That's going to be a lot of fun. Tune in 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for that. But God love you and God bless you. We are very grateful that you're a part of the Catholic Drive Time team. Do us a favor. And share us with friends and family. Have a great day, and may God richly bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. be to God. Welcome back to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more casual. Uh, all right, so it's a lot more casual. About whatever you want to talk about. If you're just joining us, if you're brand new here, uh, let me just let you in on some secrets here. We do like to do a lot of inside joke humor with the CDT insiders. This is being an example of that heresy. I mean, that, <laughs> that tradition of uh, hanging out with you and uh, and chatting with you. So if you're new here and you, you've never really hung out in the after show, welcome. We're, we're very glad you're here. If you can comment on either Facebook, YouTube, or maybe even the um, the website, by the way, I sometimes forget to go there and to look 
not because I don't appreciate you, but just because uh, it's early still and my brain hasn't yet fully woken up. Uh, but we are streaming live to the website for those that uh, don't want to be on social media. That's possible. But uh, commenting for the first time earns you extra love from the team here. So if you are a first-time commenter, be sure and let us know uh, that you are, and we will uh, recognize you as such. But I see a lot of our, our cool, fun insiders here and some new and some uh, names that haven't been around in a while, too. Praise be to God. We're very grateful for them. Susan, good morning to you from Massachusetts. It's uh, nice to see you again. Tammy, of course, good morning to you. St. Teresa of Avila is here, but in the studio again. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to see you. Oh, good to be here. Uh, Mike K., good morning to you. Uh, 93, good morning. Our friend Alan from Canada, praise be to God, is a big, huge promoter of Archbishop Fulton Sheen, the Venerable Fulton Sheen, has written several anthologies or edited them and uh, been published through Sophie Institute Press. Highly recommend them. We should have him back on. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. We should definitely book him I love Fulton Sheen, so I'm always looking for an excuse to talk about him. Yeah, it's it's a good excuse to... To always talk about uh, Fulton Sheen. We love him here, obviously. Jeff Burrier, good morning to you. Angela Bustamani, good morning to you. S. Franco, is that a new commenter? I do believe so. S. Franco, good morning to you. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Amen. Thank you, S. Franco. I'm not sure where you're from. If you're still hanging out with us in the chat box, let us know where you're from. We'd love to know. Um you know, whenever we were talking about all the Freemason conspiracy theories and stuff, I was thinking, you know, <laughs> I was like, hmm. Where's our tenfold hats? We still need the tenfold hat display, I think. Behind me on the wall, it should be a shelf with tenfold hats, one for everybody, and like a special spotlight highlighting them. That'd be amazing. And then a camera that just pans to the, the tenfold hats every time we talk about something of conspiratorial nature. Myra, good morning. It's welcome. Uh, good to see you again. Uh, the family that's perpetually on a vacation, uh, gallivanting around the world, Myra and her family. Beautiful family, by the way. Uh, uh, tongue in cheek. Uh, Christopher Velasquez, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out with us. Mr. Thomas Anderson, it's always good to see you here. Um, and uh, let's see who else is here. Who else? Uh, who's on uh, the horns? She's asking for the horns already. Who's on Facebook? Uh, lots of people. Don, uh, Lori, of course, is always. And Josh, uh, let's see who else. Joaquin Gabriel Castillo was on with us. Yeah, I know. You're still on with us, the Gabe. Gabriel How you doing? Castillo uh, was uh, at least on for a brief moment, uh, hanging out with us. That was super cool. Gloria, we're not worthy. We are not worthy. Well, I'm not anyway. <laughs> How about the rest? Of uh, Jesus Robles, he's on with us. Praise be to God. And Buddy says, Joe, you need to clarify what makes it a kilt. And not a skirt. Oh, come now, it, buddy. Don't worry, buddy. It's, we all know it's a skirt, and he wears a purse uh, with his skirt. It's a sporin. It's a sporin. Diana, uh, are you a new it's commenter, a Diana? It's a purse. Um, man purse. I don't recall Diana being on with us before. If, if you're anything, a new commenter, Diana, If anything, let's know. it's a man fanny pack. A man fanny man, pack. I don't know if that's better. You I, wear, don't, I don't know if that's fanny better. Pack? You wear the sporin around your waist. And Ubi, who is uh, Sean's wife. So and it's the only pocket welcome. you have, so you're grateful for it, trust me. Yeah. Uh, you could always just wear pants, and you wouldn't have to worry about uh, not having pockets. I'm just saying. Hello, not manly enough. I'm you're sorry. right. Not manly enough. Got to get that skirt on. <laughs> Real men wear kilts. Amen yep. to that. Amen. You should have seen the look on the priest who married my wife and I, and I was wearing my kilt, and 
we were in the back in the sacristy, you know, just before we would go, we went out to uh, receive my bride down the uh, uh, the uh, pathway there. At any rate, and he's looking at me like, "What are you wearing?" <laughs> like, dude, put some pants on. And then he saw like a part of the part of the dress is a knife in the uh, in the old uh, sock, right? And he's like, "Is that a? Are you wearing a knife in my church?" <laughs> he's like, dude, you put a skirt on, you brought a, you brought a weapon into the church, and you're wearing a purse around your arm. Like, what? I, I, we're not, we're not marrying you. This is not good. This is not good. He's like, give me that knife. He wanted to see how sharp it was, and it's just for display. It's not very sharp. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen, good morning to you. But my son, who was married uh, a, a year and a half ago or whatnot. Uh, he was married in his kilt, so it was a proud day. Praise be to God. Stephen looked good in his kilt. Kilts together, and he he had wanted a kilt for a very long time, but they're not they're uh, they're not uh, inexpensive. Yes, yeah, just uh, saying. Bring back the kilt. I'm just saying. I still fit kilt. in my wedding dress. Mm, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> this is true. You do still fit in your wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stephen Romero, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Praise be to God. Who else is on uh, on uh, Facebook side? Anybody? Passy Patty. Praise be to God. Ubi. Diana. Good morning to you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're very grateful to you. Uh, we already said Don. Don, good morning to you. Uh, Lori, of course. Josh Nolt was here. Praise be to God. Josh found a lot of interesting uh, conversation there, and we were in our first hour talking about Freemasonry. So uh, I see a couple of comments here about that. Praise be to God. Uh, let's see, Joaquin, good morning to you, Joaquin. Thanks for hanging out. Praise be to God. Gloria, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Very grateful. So what's up? What's, uh, what's everybody doing today? What's on your mind besides kilts, of course? Now, fascinating fact, who was responsible, primarily speaking, for what we know of as the kilt today? Women. No. Oh. Negative. Mm-hmm. Negative. I believe their skirts were longer. Who, ah. prior to this person, kilts were were outlawed in Scotland, by the way, but they also were out of. The original kilt wasn't what we see today. That is that is a modern thing. The kilts that you see at weddings and and bits, you know, it's all modern. You saying you're who's, a modernist? Who's responsible for that version of the kilt? Anybody know? Pop quiz. Scottish history one hundred and one. You guys give up that easy. I don't know anybody. Uh, University well, students can't figure this out. I don't know any Scottish. They didn't tell me I, this. I, I, they killed 101. I Sir may look Walter Irish, Scott. But I Sir Walter Scott. Mexican ancestry. Yes. The so. man who wrote Rob Roy. By the way, who was a criminal. Uh, Rob Roy. Uh, he took the, the story of Rob Roy and he, uh, he gave it flavor to, imp- to, to win back the image of the Scots among the Britons. Among the British. And so he was respond- He was good friends with the king in England. And when the king in England wanted to pay a visit to Scotland and his realm, it was Sir Walter Scott who helped to arrange the festivities. He helped to organize the clans so that they could go on parade, and he helped to organize their dress. I didn't mean that literally. I mean like the, what they wore to include yeah, the dress. kilts, which is not a dress or a skirt. It's you a kilt. said it, not me, man. It's a kilt. So the modern the modern look of the kilt is totally uh, responsible of uh, Sir Walter Scott. Completely fake. Prior to that, it was illegal. 
it was outlawed in uh, because the because men shouldn't wear women's clothes because the history of Scotland is a history of what the English have done to Scotsmen, and uh, and they outlawed their their customs, they outlawed their culture as a way of uh, incorpor- incorporating them back into what they considered the fold. Not at all like what's happening to traditional Catholics right now. No, uh, Mr. Thomas and ninety three are having discussion about. The uh, that Shakari Richardson disqualified for marijuana use. Yeah, that's that's I think that's a good thing because a number of reasons. One, and I think most importantly, uh, hold you're on, breaking B- the back rules. up. Why don't you give us some context? What are you talking about? Oh, the Olympian. He they used uh, marijuana. I don't know if I think it was a, a woman. Maybe it was I a forget. lady. It was yeah. That's what I thought. That was a woman, mm-hmm. and um, she used marijuana and she got caught. And it doesn't matter. None of the nothing else matters. She broke the rules. I mean, as simple mm-hmm. as that. If it was uh, if it was legal, then I can understand having a debate. But the Olympics has rules. You got to obey the rules. <laughs> and people are like, but it's not even a performance enhancing drug. I don't it's know like, why people ignore the rules all the darn time. Yes, it's like yeah. that's like it's like come on. Like we can have a debate about whether or not uh, weed should be illegal or legal. I think it should be definitely illegal. But that's something that could be debated. You could have. You can talk about should the Olympics have that as a rule, but it is a rule. But it is a rule, so and have you have the to rules obey the rules if you don't like them, and then you can now do as you wish, I suppose. But until then, it's the rule. It's like, you know, me arguing with a cop that pulls me over for speeding. It's like, but on this road, it just feels faster, officer, and you were still speeding, right? I mean, I don't understand why people always uh, decide they pick and choose. We're cafeteria people; we pick and choose all the time when it comes to the rules. Yeah, it's it. Uh, the whole the whole debate there is so silly to me because I'm like you're on the you're on the highest level athleticism and 93 makes this point too he said why would they even do that it makes you lazy and just want to ki- and want to chill it's not even the right kind of drug you do if you want to win like maybe if you want to sleep and I'm like yeah that I mean there's so many things that's just nonsensical about the situation and then I think we we should book um. We should get uh, what's his name Jesse Romero on to talk about this because he obviously dealt with a lot as a police officer, people with, with uh, yeah. weed cases. But he actually wrote a book on the morality of weed because I know yeah. a lot of Catholics who will say, "Whoa, you know, it's it's kind of like drinking beer or smoking a cigar." And then I'm like, mm, "No, it's not not exactly like that. There's a difference." And uh, I think Jesse Romero probably has. Uh, some of the best takes on that. We may that might be a good conversation. We yeah. haven't. I, I think I might have talked to Jesse about that years ago. So it's been a long time, and it's since he's even talked about it. I think it would be good to have that conversation for sure. Buddy, yes, I have participated in Scottish Highland Games. Uh, I've competed twice in my life. Once in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the other was in uh, Scarborough, uh, just south of Dallas, the Scarborough Fair, back in the nineties. But we, as a f- my wife and I, uh, used to go to the Highland Games in Lincoln, New Hampshire, uh, often. The, it, that is a beautiful setting for Highland Games because it's right at the base of Loon Mountain, and it's usually on um, a beautiful fall day. So it's like the air is crisp and cool, and but it's still blue skies and sunny, and it's just gorgeous weather. And you get the uh, you get all of that fanfare for uh, food and music, the, you know, the bagpipes, the marching bands, and then you get these professional athletes that travel the world throwing telephone poles around and tossing, uh, tossing uh, river stones. And it's just a, a lot of 
good time. We haven't been to one in a long time since we moved to Texas, though. So, in fact, we were talking about this the other day. It'd be great to try to get back to a Highland game someplace, especially now that we have a lot more kids, and they would really enjoy that. So, hopefully, we'll be able to make that happen. There's a big Highland games out in the Carolinas. I'd like to go to that one. That's funny. Someone sent me a meme that says, uh, when your parents have high expectations for you, and it's a picture of someone saying, telling them, when uh, by the time Jesus was your age, he turned water into wine. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. No pressure. No pressure, man. Don says he goes back to the, uh, how do I say, is it McPhee's? McPhee's from Edinburgh. Um, praise be to God. We have Scott. We have two Scottish lines in our family, McLean, McLean. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting, my great-great-grandfather, is it my great-great or great-great-great? I forget. I have a copy of his wedding certificate. Um, the, on that document, our name is spelled three different ways <laughs> on the same document. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, so, but we've, we've just, it's come down to us with the two Cs. But, uh, so we have a McLean, uh, and then on, uh, on my dad's mom's side, so my dad's dad's side is McLean's, and my dad's mom's side is, is McKay's. So we get to two lines all the way back. On my mother's side, it's all English. It's Bassett's and Brown's. So pretty much uh, my whole family comes from the UK. Don, he says McPhee's is proper. Uh, let's see. Buddy says, it's only a skirt if one wears underclothing. I see where you're going with that, buddy. I see where you're going with I that. I tell the ladies that uh, wear theirs uh, <laughs> over their clothing that they're not actually wearing skirts. Then I'll let them know. Yeah, yeah, please. Let's let's move on. Uh, Jeff Burrier says hi, Joe. Or this Dominic. is Dominic. Rather says my dog's name is Coda. Well, what kind of dog is it, Dominic? I'd love to know. Coda, Coda. That reminds me of the bear from Brother Bear. Have you seen that movie? I think it might be too old for uh, the Burriers. Uh, but if y'all. Uh, if you should definitely watch it. It's super cute. I uh, seem to remember that. Yeah, it's, it came out when I want to say like in the late '90s, maybe early 2000s. So it it must have. Uh, so I, I'd be surprised if if y'all have seen it. But the uh, yeah, the little the little baby bear. His his name was Coda, and it was so funny. I remember that them uh, singing along as they're uh, going on their journey. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I I loved uh, Disney Pixar. Um, DreamWorks. I used to love all those all those movies. Well, I'm just noticing uh, our brother and friend of the show, Jesus Robles, is hanging out with us, uh, all, digging on the uh, on the kilt skirt thing. There, Jesus, come on, man. Well, Jesus, he said, let's cut to the chase. <laughs> it's a skirt. It is not. It's a kilt. Anyway, uh, I was thinking of you yesterday, Jesus. I was watching some um, news reports, some of these uh, journalistic. Uh, pieces about the cartel movement in Mexico. And um, and I was thinking of you because I know you're from Michoacan and the this new generation cartel has been taking over that region of Mexico. And to watch to watch this, so uh, these two pieces I saw, there were two different journalists. One was from Al Jazeera. Not a not a source I go to all that often, but the reporter seemed like he uh, uh, very in tune with things going on there. And uh, very sad to see entire towns completely desolate, totally empty. Entire, these like spooky little empty towns, bullet holes in the walls and everything torn up and just empty. People have fled for their lives in Mexico. And then there was, uh, so when they interviewed the, the, um, 
the cartel members. So these there was two different specials I watched and both interviewed cartels. You know, and the complicated nature between the cartels and their illegal activities and their impact on the citizens and their connection to government. Like, that is very scary. Like, Mexico seems to be in a very bad place, and it makes me sad for all the people there to see the displaced uh, citizens uh, around Mexico who have nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. I mean, their options are either bad or worse. Uh, maybe uh, maybe it's just a... I don't know. It's just I was very sad to see that, you know, and I know it's not new news. It's kind of, you know, we've all known that, but broke my heart to see it anyway. So I was thinking of you yesterday and you're and you're because uh, I know that's where you're from. So anyway, thinking about that today. We may get a guest on. Maybe we we might reach out to one of those one of those uh journalists to see if they can't come on and maybe share that story with us. I thought about getting Annabelle Hernandez. <clears throat> she was a Mexican journalist who wrote critically of the government there and she had to flee for her life. And so she lives under 24-hour guard up in California now. Um, she seems to be someone who might be very bitter, though. Uh, bitter, not just for obvious reasons, but for other reasons, too. So I'm not sure if she ought to be a guest or not. I'm still pondering that. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, what else is going on? <laughs> 93 says Mexico is helping Canada with firefighters. Really? Hmm. That's kind of interesting. That's funny because uh, Houston is <laughs> helping uh, Mexico with firefighters. So. Wow. Okay, so now that, so I'm confused. Mean, so does that mean Houston is helping Canada with firefighters? I think so. Mm. I think so. I think so. The transitive property says yes. The transitive property. <laughs> uh, my my father is a uh, captain with the Houston Fire Department in Houston, and they get a lot of people from South America coming to Houston for training, and so they get uh, a lot of uh, South Americans will come in. And they'll get training at the uh, Houston Academy because Houston is one of the largest, uh, I think it might be the second largest fire department, maybe third largest fire department in the United States, um, the most professional. So I think it would be, I think it's second after New York, but it might be third after Chicago. I I forget. Uh, But yeah, so very interesting stuff. You know, I was just thinking if, uh, you know, the next Sherathon that comes up, if we hit all of our goals as a team, which we have never done so far. Um, and we raise all the money we're supposed to raise for our apostolate. I, I should make Adrian wear a kilt to work mm, at no. least one day. Mm-mm. Yeah. That's nope. a, no, 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 no. I think Tonsure. I oh, two. We'll do that, too. Tonsure. I could do, I would well, do that. Tonsure the tonsure was for a one-time $10,000 mm. gift. Someone had to donate $10,000, and I was going to give him a tonsure live on the radio. I think, I think that you but should But if, if that all one. we do is just hit our goals... All four days, I think I'll make him wear a kilt. I think nope. you should wear your kilt. I'll make him wear my kilt, mm. which there will be even more fit. entertaining. There you go. Oh, we'll just wrap it around your body a few times. Nope. I have a, it comes with a belt. You'll be all right. Mm-mm. It'll be fine. So if you guys want to see that, if you guys are... You make you, him wear the man purse, too? Make, it's called oh, yes. a sporin. Sporin? Right? A sporin. It's a sporin. Spotted. I hate to tell you this. I don't wear skirts and I don't Good. wear purses. Praise God, because it's not no. a skirt; it's a kilt, and, <laughs> it, makes, and it makes you more of a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry, so. but Jesus, true Jesus story, wore long, true story. long clothing. That's a tunic. Tunic. It's, it's just totally different. Tunic. It's just it's a kilt, but longer. That's he all it is. It. It's Your a kilt, but longer. No, that's all that is. A tunic is in, not even similar at, in the slightest. Oh, sure it is. It's an yeah, entire absolutely. outfit. Now, come on now. A skirt is a skirt. Come a on. A tunic is an oh, entire man. outfit. 
Yeah, no. Skirt is an entire... Well, yeah. All right, if you guys are up for that, let me know. Uh, We have to hit our goals. We have yet to hit our goals. Um, So that's coming up in about another month from now. Um, By the way, today, just real quick, I'm just going to ask everybody to to offer a prayer. Our Spanish side of our apostolate is starting their on-air fundraiser today, this morning. So that's what they're starting to do right now. So if you could (laughs) say a prayer for God's provision for... Are the Spanish side of our operation. We would be very grateful for that. Yeah, Mr. Thomas said, do firefighters get paid? It depends. So if you're with a volunteer fire department, uh, most volunteer firefighters do not get paid. Uh, some get like small stipends, uh, but the vast majority is it is completely volunteer. And then usually they'll have one paid guy that, that uh, helps out who knows what they're doing. Um, because they only get like one day of a year of training or a weekend of training. So it's, you know, it's not great. So um, my dad actually works um, as a side job at a volunteer fire department as the paid employee there. Really? And so, yeah, because mm-hmm. he's a senior wow. captain with Houston. So he uh, works at a volunteer fire department helping them uh, on That's the side as cool. a side job. But yes, and then in more rural rural areas, uh, the, usually they have volunteer fire departments and not professional fire departments. Um, so those are very it's, it varies. So it just depends on where you're at, um, what your job is, and so on and so forth. Uh, but the vast majority, I'd probably guess, I'd, I'd venture to guess, are volunteer because uh, most small cities don't have professional fire departments. They can't afford them. Mm-hmm. The equipment, it's pretty expensive. The, the equipment itself is very expensive. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to train as a firefighter as a naval sea cadet. Uh, but it's shipborne firefighting, which was the funnest thing to do. So we we got to use a simulator uh, where they could simulate not only fires, but they could simulate uh, uh, holes in the bulkhead where wa- seawater is just pouring in. And, man, that was the best. We had the greatest time doing that. So much fun. But uh, it was fun to uh, train as a firefighter. Uh, that could be a very cool job, very cool career for for young men, I would say. I agree. And it's uh, especially, I don't know, it depends on the city. Different cities have different pays and different uh, requirements. But Houston and a lot of other stations have a similar uh, look as Houston because, I mean, they're just one of the biggest. And so a lot of the smaller ones will imitate Houston. Uh, they only work two days a week because they're 24-hour shifts. And they will, um, and so you work two 24-hour shifts and you may, you may get a dozen calls. You may be working the entire time, every, the whole day. Or you may get lucky and there, there's like almost no calls and you just chill out at the fire station. Um, and so you then you get the rest of the week off. Uh, so most firefighters have side jobs um, or they work overtime, that kind of thing. So it's a great job. It's a good job, um, especially in these, some of these cities. That it's a lot safer nowadays. They've kind of solidified. Their, my dad is actually in charge of the new safety uh, training that they've started because they are constantly trying to find more and more safer ways to, uh, to make it so the firefighters don't get killed in fires. I mean, that's very important. And so, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a great job. I, I used to want to be a firefighter, but I didn't end up going through with it because I did not want to work on the ambulance. I cannot <laughs> handle watching people like get shot and have to run them to the hospital. People who are like got hit by cars that were, it's just, it was just such a, it's so tragic. I, I couldn't do it. It takes a special person to be able to to be able to do that, and so, I, but and in Houston, not every fire department is like this. But in Houston, every firefighter 
has to ride the ambulance. That's her first job out of really? out of the academy. Oh mm-hmm. wow! So no kidding. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't. I was like, nope, I don't want to do that. So I mean, the firefighter is kind of like the uh, all in one package, right? It is in Houston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so many times I've seen firefighters responding to nine one one calls that don't involve fires. I mean, they're mm-hmm. just they're the closest asset to helping. So they show up and they perform medical aid, CPR. You know, whatever. They're the first responders in so many cases. Yeah, I like to make fun of the police often and say they get there before them. The one time that I did not want to see the firefighters, though, uh, was the last time I tried to grill anything. <laughs> um, little grease fire took off, and aye, my aye. wife is, like, freaking out. And I'm like, it's fine. It's just a grease fire. I mean, I it's got just this. A grease fire. I've got this. Don't worry about it. And you dump water on it. And then she calls 911. <laughs> And the big truck with the lights and everything, I'm blaring. I'm like, honey, the neighbors are watching this. Hello, you can't. It's like you can't do that to a guy and his barbecue. It's a you are betraying sacred trust. Uh, God, it was so embarrassing, so humiliating. And, okay, true story. I don't know what I'm doing when I barbecue. And yes, it was a big grease fire, and it did burn me. I still have the scar. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. Well, um, but they- other than that. It was completely fine. No need to call firefighters. Did you dump water on it? Uh, no. Okay, good. I did not dump water on it. That, that's a pretty common thing that people do. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> because they're like, we're like, fire, water. Let's exactly. just put water on it. Yeah. <laughs> nope. It'd be like that sometimes. Electrical fires, too. Bad oh, idea. Did you, you see that video going viral? Fire. <laughs> did you see that video going viral, that electrical fire? It was crazy. The This tree uh, got, like, it was, like, next to a electricity pole. Um, and the electricity was like literally going through the tree and it was igniting it in like a pillar and it would go out and then it would ignite and then go out. And I was like, that is the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was pretty sick. Yeah. I bet they just had to turn the power off. I bet that was right. all they did to, <laughs> yeah. to do it, to put it out. But oh, I was like, that man. is so cool. We have above our backyard is a high power line. And, um, and so there's like two, it's not like the, anyway, there's like two huge thick power lines on this pole line that goes right across our backyard. And it's probably 30 feet in the air at least. Uh, but I was in, at home one time and I was uh, working and then I heard what sounded like an explosion. This was about a year ago. It sounded like a total explosion. It was loud. The house shook. It was, we freaked out. And uh, I ran outside, and it was a Mylar balloon that had a, a contacted balloon? both lines, and it, it arced. And it, th- my wife said uh, the, uh, the, the flash, it, like, filled the sky with this white, hot flash, and it was so loud. The balloon was on fire. That's pretty cool. And dangling there. And it dangled for weeks. I, I mean... No on fire? Nobody came. No, once it burned. Oh, okay. it, but it, like nobody came to clean up the mess. It was just there. But that that was pretty intimidating. That's pretty cool. Very very loud. Ninety three said he's thinking of looking into volunteering for next year if possible. That's pretty cool, dude. I think it's awesome. I think I love firefighters. Um, so that's super cool. Yeah. Praise be to God. Uh, let's see. A couple minutes left on the clock. Who's on the show tomorrow? General Boykin. Uh, yes, sir. We're, we're going to be playing our interview. Now, we our conversation with him was like 40, 45 minutes. I believe it was about 45 minutes, yes. Yeah, and uh, of course, the whole conversation was sent to this TDT Insider email list. Uh, we will make it uh, publicly available after tomorrow's show, but we'll play 20 minutes of it anyway. 
a very interesting character. You know, I was just thinking back on when we interviewed him. Um, now, this is General Boykin is the man who helped to co-found the Delta Force, okay, which is the highest <laughs> level in the mil American military arsenal, tier one operators. Um, so they are the tip of the spear. A lot of people think of Navy SEALs, but to be honest, something I followed very carefully over the years as someone who served in the military, and I was always interested in this subject, Delta Force <clears throat> is the tip of the spear. Delta Force draws on people from all branches, by the way, not just the Army. And uh, so he helped to found them. He helped to train Tier 1 operators in the military until he retired. So this is a very connected man when it comes to the military, <laughs> when it comes to uh, national security. And so his, he's got a very interesting perspective on some things. But I, one of the things that I've been scandalized lately is about Tier 1 operators leaving our special forces, getting out, and going to work for cartels and criminal organizations around the world. When I mentioned that to him, the look in his eye was like priceless. And I'm just not remembering that. I, I, if I were him, I would feel so scandalized by that. Put your blood, sweat, and tears in, in our country only to see these people get out and get paid millions by drug organizations. It's pretty sad. But anyway, that's the conversation tomorrow. Hopefully you'll join us for that. Uh, praise be to God. And then uh, more conversations coming up the rest of this week. John Heinen, a friend of mine with the Catholic Gentleman, is going to be on Thursday. So a lot of great conversations headed your way. Do us a favor and share. Share Catholic Drive Time with your friends, your family, whether it's this video or other content on our YouTube channel. We would be grateful to you. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. We'll see you back here at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Thank you for joining us.